Hello and welcome to Go Fox Yourself. I am your host, Mr. Fox, and I will be talking to you about movies past, present, and future from my unfiltered perspective. Now, before we get started, there's a little button there that says follow on the screen. I only ask that you hit it if you actually enjoyed what you listened to today. Otherwise, also make a comment if you'd like. I'll get back to you as soon as I can and try to answer as best as I can for you. Now, if you remember last week, I was talking to you about the movie, well, talking to you about several movies, but uh, I brought up The Little Mermaid, a live-action adaptation of Disney's early ni- uh, late 80s cartoon, and they're looking to re-release it on... Well, they were supposed to back in 2019, and apparently now they're not going to be able to get to it until either late this year or by next year. The movie in question is starring Hale Bailey as Ariel. Now, she is an attractive young lady. She has a remarkable voice, and she is a decent actress. There's no doubt about that, but there is a slight problem to this And it deals with the originality or the origin, if you will, to the story by Hans Christian Andersen. And for that matter, even though that which has been implied by Disney, basically she's black. Now, it's not racist to sit there and look at the origin of Little Mermaid and question a problem with this casting. The fact is, the origin of this story was set in a northern hemisphere environment. Most people have assumed or generally accepted that when this story was released in 1837, up and even till now, that this story takes place around the Denmark coastal area. Partially because even in the story, it states the setting for winter of this land was cold, covered over with snow, water frozen over, and that there were icebergs in the harbor. However, most people would look at the cartoon and say, oh, but it was set in the Mediterranean. Last time I checked, there was no snow, nor was there any icebergs floating through the Mediterranean. To believe that, you'd have to be stupid. Now, going back to this, the fact is, is if it does in fact take place in the Denmark area, in fact the kingdom that Ariel wants to walk upon to meet her love, if you will, or at least the guy that she's interested in, who happens to be a prince, that puts her in a royal court setting. And the fact is, if you're within the royal court, chances are in the early 1800s of Denmark, you're not going to be black. If you are in the royal court, nine chances out of ten, you're going to probably be serving the people in the royal court. That's just reality. And this is the stuff that I have issue with. It's 
Yes, I understand it's make-believe. It's fiction. But there's no continuity to this at all, what Disney is pushing. When you look at it from even the Disney standard, people say, well, Disney just made up the kingdom. There was no specified uh, area that it was supposed to take place. Hans Christian Andersen didn't even specify where it took place. But you generally accepted where it took place because of the fact that the setting was described. I mean, literally, in black and white, it describes it as having icebergs in the harbor. That's got to be up around the North Sea somewhere. Anyways... When you look at what Disney provided, which typically goes with everything Disney does, a fictional area, fictional region, no name that necessarily specifies anything realistic, simply because they try and maintain sort of the timeless aspect to the story. However, there is usually some inspiration behind it, like in Frozen. Arendelle was a fictional kingdom, but you look at the architecture and... I'm no genius, but you look at it and, well, that's from Norway. Kind of obvious. The fact that they use the word fjord to describe the harbor, that's a Norwegian term. The fact that it's covered over with snow looks kind of Norwegian to me, on top of the fact that Arendelle is nothing more than a rewording of an actual place that exists in Norway, conveniently called Arendelle. Anyway... Disney actually further implies where this takes place with two Easter eggs that they provided in the Frozen movie, which is also based on another Hans Christian Andersen story called The Ice Queen. Now, in the beginning of Frozen, it shows their parents going across the water, which we generally assume is probably about the North Sea. And because they can't swim, the ship goes down and they die. Okay, we get over that, and they are basically orphans. Arendelle's closed to the public. Well, they get older, they get a little antsy. Elsa's about to become queen, so she throws a coronation, opens the gates to Arendelle, and lo and behold, the other Easter egg that comes in is the fact that if you look at the crowd of VIPs looking to come in, and pay their respects at Elsa's coronation. You will find that Rapunzel and her boy toy are two of those guests, no less, waiting to go inside. And the fact is, is that they are based off of a German fairy tale written by Brothers Grimm. But here's the thing with those Easter eggs. That ship their parents went down in, Same ship that is used as a shipwreck in Little Mermaid. The uh, Rapunzel, clearly a German uh, fairy tale. Now, some people may ask, what is the arc for this one? The arc is basically there to connect the story that maybe we assume that the reason their parents were uh, crossing the water was to go pay their respects to Rapunzel's parents at Rapunzel's birth. Now, granted, some people would like to say, well, that's just an assumption. Here's the problem. 
When the story broke in July of 2019 that Hale Bailey was going to be the actress portraying Ariel, Frozen 2 was quickly released. Mind you, Hans Christian Andersen never even wrote a sequel to The Ice Queen. But apparently Disney decided to capitalize in the market of how much money they made off the first Frozen movie. Conveniently, of course, when the news broke about who was going to be playing Ariel in the live-action adaptation of Little Mermaid, everybody brought up the Easter egg of that ship, basically placing that whole environment of Little Mermaid, Frozen, and even Rapunzel all generally in the same area. Disney, obviously, being who they are, well, they figured they'd quickly release another movie and dispel that entire thing, basically discrediting that Easter egg as any form of a story arc whatsoever. The problem is it was way too obvious because if you look at the movie Frozen 2, it was okay, but it was nothing more than a retelling of their first movie. Regardless, I know a lot of people sit there and have issue with the complaints being made about how or uh, Hale Bailey playing the part of Ariel. The problem is, is this has been done several times before, and basically it has always flopped. Remember Jamie Foxx, and I forget the actress's name that was in this latest uh, adaptation of Little Orphan Annie. Everybody said, oh, finally, we've got a diverse role being played for a character that was normally portrayed as white. Well, if you look at the box office draw, you could see why it doesn't always happen. You can tell why it's not exactly something most people prefer to do. Because it doesn't draw in the money. I mean, the audience went to go see a movie that subconsciously, they were basically looking at a story that they were brought up with, being told during the Depression era, with a ginger-headed little orphan girl, basically on her knees, talking about a hard knocks life. And then being adopted by a single parent known as Daddy Warbucks, who basically was wealthier beyond belief at that time. Regardless, that's what they went in to go see. What they ended up seeing was clearly not the same story, and it flopped. Not because of performance, not because of the story itself, nor even the acting. It was the fact that the audience went in expecting one thing, and regardless of what they knew that they were going into, that expectation became a disappointment. And this is really what happens as to why movies like this fail when it comes to play this diversity aspect to a role that is traditionally done as one perspective, and now we're going to change it to another. Even when they modernize a film or a story, it still does not play as well or even close, remotely close to the original story. Why? 
because the original story was the original charm to the narrative being told that people fell in love with. Now you're just taking it and crapping on it with your own perspective. Pretty much what I'm doing with the movie right now. Clearly, this is just one perspective that you can see as being, you know, a, a, a parallax as where you're looking at it one way and then you come at it from a different angle and it looks completely different. That's another reason why these type of stories fail. And of course, you have some people basically arguing that, well, it's a mermaid. It's a fictional character. How could it, why does it have to be a certain ethnicity? I mean, it's not real. And besides, it's based on a cartoon. Well, to a degree, you could say that you're right, except for one problem. Lately, the push within diversity was to also add into effect casting roles that were authentic to the region being portrayed, which was one of the excuses that Disney made with their recasting of certain characters for The Lion King. Obviously, Ferris Bueller or... Matthew Broderick wasn't going to reprise his role as Simba. He was white. We wanted to go with a more African regional authentic appeal to the voices that were being portrayed off our live action adaptation. Well, if you really want to argue the fictional status and unrealistic expectation to any ethnicity of a character that does not exist in real life to begin with. Last time I checked, lions, alligators, hippos, rhinoceroses, giraffes, they don't talk, let alone in English, folks. So I, that argument kind of falls flat with me, especially when Disney's using that excuse behind why they did Lion King. Now you're going to create an entire step to that very excuse as to why you want to cast another character differently. I, where is the continuity? Not only in the story, but even your argument or excuse to even push this crap. Now, if that wasn't enough, in 2022, we can expect another live adaptation of a famously classic cartoon from Mickey Mouse himself. And obviously, as Mickey Mouse has become more and more the social justice warrior of wokeness, it's going to be Snow White. Now, the history of Snow White is that it was a German fairy tale, again, written by Brothers Grimm, which is not uncommon for Disney to use. Granted, the Hans Christian Andersen stories of Little Mermaid and Frozen have definitely been their far-grossing Movies, which tells me that maybe they need to go back to doing Hans Christian Andersen stories versus Brothers Grimm. Neither here nor there. They're doing Snow White. And what is the basis for Snow White? Mother decides to not pay attention while she's basically looking up at her windowsill, which is made out of ebony wood, and she pricks her finger with a needle and sees, for some reason, the blood getting onto some snow. And then, just out of the norm... She just says, well, if I have a child, I would like that child to have hair of a ebony color as this beautiful windowsill, lips red rose, like the color of blood, and her skin to be 
white as the color of snow. For some reason, within this interpretation, let alone this cartoon that was made back in the 30s, we're going to make another live adaptation of a Disney classic. And for whatever reason, again, they cast another person, very attractive young lady. Uh, she's got a remarkable voice. I don't know about her acting, but I do know that Steven Spielberg is going to have her play Maria on his adaptation of West Side Story. Well, guess what? She's freaking Colombian, folks. Now, last time I checked, there was no land bridge between Germany and Colombia. And granted, she's from Jersey, but that's besides the point. She looks like a teenage version of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, which is remarkable because AOC basically acts like a freaking teenager, let alone talks like one. Here we got a girl who is going to basically play the part of Snow White. And she clearly does not even look like the role. Like, I am completely amazed that they want to pass this off, but apparently, hey, Rachel Zegler is a person that they chose. Yes, she's got a remarkable voice, but uh, last time I checked, nowhere in Germany were there anybody that looked even remotely close to a Colombian. And... Uh, there were some statements made in social media, unfortunately. Some of them were racist. However, she didn't help her cause much either by saying she wasn't going to bleach her skin white, which, you know, I don't blame her. Why, why would you? But I'm just sitting here looking at why are you casting a Colombian you know, from Jersey as a part for a German girl who's supposed to be fair-skinned? It doesn't add up to me. Uh, let alone somebody who looks like a teenage version of AOC. I I'm sorry. Uh, I see her, and that's basically what I picture in my head. It's not passing as Snow White. But regardless, that's what they're going to do anyways. And I, I don't know how to take it. I, I really don't. I I'm losing my patience with Disney because it's just like one thing after another. I mean, what's next? Dumbo's not going to have big ears because that's basically shameful looking. Uh, while the other people make fun of him. Uh, granted, we did get a Dumbo movie, but like, why is it all of a sudden we have to be diverse and not, you know have to basically take every step on an eggshell possible to avoid offending somebody? I, you read an original Brother Grimm story, it's quite offensive. Now, if you read a Hans Christian Andersen story, it comes across slightly offensive, but then at the end, it shows how the person was able to overcome the bullying. Remember the ugly duckling? Good example. Why don't we stick with that aspect? No, we got to basically be all friendly and everything. Totally ruined the origin of the story completely, which kind of destroys the charm of the original narrative. Now, granted, Rachel Zegler playing Snow White is not going to be the issue here, other than the fact that she's, well, Colombian. It's not going to destroy the charm of the narrative behind Snow White. I'm pretty sure they're going to be able to pull it off. But the thing is, why are you taking a German fairy tale and trying to make it into something clearly non-German? If that's the case... Make up a new story, for God's sakes. 
there are plenty of new stories that could definitely have or definitely be made and God forbid show some potential in being original about it rather than taking a story that's already been well overdone and then crapping on it. Needless to say, that's where I'm kind of going with this right now. Now, you can expect to see this uh, one, or uh, you could expect to see Snow White in 2022, quite possibly Little Mermaid as well in 2022, if not later on this year. Uh, part of the problem was is that they were having issue with the pandemic, so they had to kind of figure out how to film through it. Apparently, mermaids don't favor too well underwater with face masks. I don't know. But either way, it's coming. Wait for it, enjoy it, or hate it. I really don't care, but expect it to be coming here soon. Now, another thing that I would like to talk about today is Jordan Peele. Speaking of a person with high regard and potential, I mean, I actually like some of the stuff that he's done. And quite frankly, I do see potential in his work. However, I also see multiple problems with his work. Now, those of you who don't know who Jordan Peele is, he had sort of a small-time comedy group that he acted in called uh, Mad TV, which he met his co-star, uh, co Keegan-Michael uh, Keegan Michael Keyes, and they branched off and decided to do their own show called Peel, or, uh, Key and Peel. That was actually a pretty decent show. I, I had no problem with that whatsoever. When most people think I got problems with everything, nah, th this was actually quite amusing. It was entertaining. Then they went on to try and do uh, a movie together called Keanu, which didn't exactly do too well. And then Jordan Peele decided to branch off to his own thing. And Michael Keegan uh, Key, or I'm sorry, Keegan Michael Key decided to do his thing in acting. What Jordan Peele, he decided to reboot The Twilight Zone. Now, me, myself, I am a huge fan of The Twilight Zone. But he decided to reboot The Twilight Zone, which, eh, not really original from my perspective, but, you know, cool. Huge fan. Uh, those of you who are fans, as I am, of Twilight Zone, there's also another show Rod Serling did just after Twilight Zone called Night Gallery. I highly recommend it. Regardless... <clears throat> Jordan Peele, after Twilight Zone, decided to give us the movie Get Out. And if I remember correctly, it also received uh, a Best Original Screenplay at the Academies. However, it wasn't original. Now, as I stated, he rebooted the Twilight Zone. To give you an idea of his inspiration to what he writes in sort of the cosmic horror, which I'm a huge, huge fan. Um, he basically derived a lot of his inspiration from the Twilight Zone. In fact, it wasn't just the movie Get Out. It was also the movie Us, which I enjoyed both movies as they were. They were entertaining. However, I do find the racial element to be somewhat predictable because, well, quite frankly, 
I have seen it so many times that it's just getting old now. And quite frankly, you start trying to add that element to a movie, it gets to the point to where I can pretty much figure out where the story's going before it even gets halfway in. Now, with the movie Get Out, the reason I say it was not an original screenplay, I mean, some people could basically sit there and say, well, the skeleton key did it, did it as well. They, you know, you had Papa Shango and some uh, voodoo witch lady basically switching uh, bodies with their consciousness. And, yeah, that is true. Granted, you know, it, it wasn't a thing where they were actually running a company and selling people's bodies. But still, the whole concept of the consciousness being transitioned over into another body was a thing in the skeleton key. In fact, it was a major portion of the narrative. However, if you go back into Rod Serling's Twilight Zone, which I have to say Jordan Peele made it blatantly obvious he was a huge fan of because he pretty much made an extension adaptation of the or of an episode off, I believe, the second season called The Trade-Ins in which case is about a company that sells willing human bodies to be transplanted with somebody else's consciousness on the verge of death. Go figure, damn near close to the freaking narrative that you see in the movie Get Out. The only difference being is that in the movie Get Out, they are unwilling participants. Now keep in mind too, in the Twilight Zone episode, they don't really get involved in describing how it all happens. But then you're looking at a storyline that's basically a TV episode. They're not going to go into stuff that far when they don't really have that much time to work with. If you ever get a chance to see it, by all means, I do recommend watching the, uh, the trade-ins. It was a very decent episode. Not exactly one of their best, like I would say, uh, How to Serve Man, or uh, I forget the one with Lloyd Bridges, but he's basically sitting at the uh, steps at the uh, Library of Congress, and throughout the entire TV episode, he basically says he has no time to read. Finally, everybody dies, which, you know, every once in a while, some of us kind of wish that would happen, but, you know... Everybody finally dies, and now he's talking about having all the time in the world to read, and just as he's about to crack open a book out of a huge stack of books he grabbed, his glasses break, and, well, he's got all the time in the world to just sit there and cry. Good episodes. However, I do recommend also watch The Trade-Ins. Really good episode. There, there's plenty others within the five seasons of The Twilight Zone. And again, I definitely plug Night Gallery. Great series. Anyways, in the movie Us, again, it's not that I didn't like it. I did like it. However, the potential that I saw that movie having versus what I was given, I mean, quite frankly, by that point that I saw that there was some racial aspect, and yeah, it was apparent. The racial aspect was... We don't want to talk about our past. We want to leave those skeletons in the closet and move on with our life. Well, that pinpoints, and this is something Jordan Peele also said, that kind of 
foreshadows the aspect that most people are viewing what we look at in terms of the history of slavery in this country. Now, I love history, but when I go to watch a movie, the last thing I want to do is be preached to about something that basically never affected me. If I want to learn about history of slavery, I'll read a book, which I always have. And yes, it's a horrible story. It is a scar. But is it a scar that I bear? No, I never owned a slave. Why do I want to waste 12 bucks watching a movie about it? I mean, at some point, the movies are going to become so damn predictable that you could basically tell the future within about the first five minutes and just go, wow, this story's going to suck. There you go. Nonetheless, it was a decent movie, but here's the other problem. The movie really sort of parallels another Twilight Zone episode called Mirror Image, which is about a lady at a bus stop, or I should say a bus station, sorry, and she conveniently runs into her doppelganger, which tries to kill her. And there's somebody else that actually catches on to what she's actually having issue with and realizes, oh, this is a doppelganger that's going to try and kill her. He, in turn, finds out he's also got a doppelganger. Go figure. The doppelgangers in the movie Us, what are they doing? They're killing the other versions of themselves. That is the only way they can exist above land, is to kill off the people they're there to replace. There was an interesting twist to the movie. However, again, it wasn't anything original. It was a extended adaptation of something that he was inspired by, which, you know, that's great. He gave us a good movie. But he's getting way too much credit for stuff that he really hasn't been doing, which is giving us an original piece of work. And if you look at what he's looking to produce later on down the road, it's a pattern. His next two movies, folks, are going to be a remake of The People Under the Stairs, which, go figure on that one, it basically covers class warfare as well as gentrification, and, well, it also covers racial displacement as and disenfranchisement as a couple of white landlords who basically treat their people like crap and run their uh, run the homes that they uh, oversee into the ground. And uh, that's one remake he's looking to do. Another remake he's looking to do is of the classic Clive Barker story. Well, I should say the movie, because the story was called The Forbidden. However, the movie is called Candyman. Now, most of you if you've been around during the 90s, remember that movie. It was freaking awesome. However, when you talk about somebody who, as a pattern, pretty much goes the route of explaining their stories in some sense of racial epithet, Candyman is basically right there. Go figure. The guy that's basically going around scraping people's faces off with the hook that's pretty much surged right into his hand 
is a black man who survived throughout the early 1800s until he was basically killed by an angry white lynch mob who was not happy with the fact that he was living in a biracial relationship. And then, to top it all off, the story, well, the movie, takes place in Northside Chicago in a rundown community that is primarily all resided by an entire black community. And it started off as a great community. However, it eventually got run down. This should be of no surprise that he's looking to remake these movies. Now, granted, the first one was done by Wes Craven, and it had some mixed reviews. But it's a classic Does it really need to be remade? No. Does it need to be remade by Jordan Peele? Absolutely not. Uh, From my personal opinion, I think Jordan Peele could do so much better because I see that he carries some potential, actually a lot of potential, to give us an original story. And the fact that he has pretty much only given us four movies, two of which were not original screenplays, but instead nothing more than a extended interpretation or adaptation of two Twilight Zone episodes that I can even quote, let alone the next two movies he's doing, are remakes. Now, as I said, in Get Out, he did receive the uh, original screenplay award. Something to keep in mind, Obama got the Nobel Nobel Peace Prize. Just because they received it does not necessarily mean they deserved it. People get stuffed simply because they're the popular people. And unfortunately for Jordan Peele, I truly feel that he needs to honestly take himself out of that environment and actually give us something that is original. Uh, There are plenty of people, as being that I am an H.P. Lovecraft fan myself, and I know that Jordan Peele is a huge H.P. Lovecraft fan, which is why he did the series Lovecraft Country, which was based kind of in a a twist of Lovecraft's work, uh, playing uh, playing upon the part of his uh, bigotry, while also adding an element of a uh, black uh, couple, sort of family, if you will, traveling the country on uh, finding places to add to the infamous Green Book. It was a decent series. I honestly liked it. However, it wasn't his story. He simply produced it out of favor of being an uh, H.P. Lovecraft fan based off of a book by the same name. Now, being a Lovecraft fan as he is, and being a Lovecraft fan that I am, I personally feel he can give us something original. And this is why I say he needs to take himself out of the environment of thinking that everything he touches is just perfect. Because the fact is, it's not. One, the predictability of sticking with the racial element of every film that he does doesn't help him. But more importantly, he needs to give us an original idea. It can stick with the Lovecraft theme. But he needs to give us an original idea. And until then, 
while I do like his work, I can't necessarily say that I respect his work. And that's not stating that you are racist for thinking the same. To assume that somebody, just because they, you know, to assume that their work cannot be touched or is above reproach because it takes on an element that apparently is popular within the woke community today and you're afraid to basically be hit up with insults from the mob rule? No. Take it as a term of endearment because honestly, aside from basically helping out your opinion with the sense of respect and credibility, it may get some of these people to actually wake up and give us what we actually want. And that's all I got to say for today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's uh, little rant. Uh, otherwise, please, like I said before, hit that button, follow. And uh, if you want, leave a comment. This is all I got to say for today. Go Fox yourself.